Hey, good morning, everybody. Wherever you're watching us from, uh, we welcome you to come and worship God with us, to focus on Him. Man, we're glad you're joining us. And just to kick it off, we're going to start by just focusing our eyes on who He is and what it means to belong to Him right from the get-go. Yes, I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. Really, really miss you. Looking in this room, all these empty pews just reminds me of how amazing you guys are and how much we just love being a part of this community. And we just pray that we will be able to be together soon. But in the meantime, we're just going to continue to look to God together. And I will read from 1 Peter chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let's just praise God together. Let's lift our voices. Just celebrate who he is together. Better yet, just stand with us where you are if you can. When our bodies stand, it often brings our minds right to where we need to be. I'm going to raise a hallelujah to the Lord. Sing this, sing I raise. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah. Louder than the unbelief, and I raise a hallelujah. And my weapon is a melody. I raise, I raise, and I raise a hallelujah. And heaven comes to fight for me, and I. In the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, so hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. We're gonna sing to you, Jesus. We're gonna sing to you. We're gonna raise our hearts. a hallelujah with everything inside of me and I 
that is our cry, that is the desire of our hearts, Lord. I just pray, God, that even in this time where so many of us are like, yeah, I want to be led to those around me, but I can't even get near them right now. And that just, that seems sort of like a paradox of a statement, Lord Jesus, but I know that in this time and in this season that you have creative ideas about how your church can be intentional. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just spark creative ideas for how, the, how we as a church and as a part of your bigger C church can reach out and be a voice of hope and a voice that points people to you. Because, Lord, during a time when people are fearing for their very lives, Lord Jesus, the best gift we can give them is the gift of hope and the gift of truth and the gift of your son and reminding them that we do have a living hope and it is you. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would just spark us with ideas. That if we are feeling lonely, if we are feeling a lack of purpose, that you would speak right into that, God. That you would ignite purpose and mission within us, even as we're at home. I thank you for the ways we're already seeing that, and I just pray, God, that you would continue to do more of that. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all that you're doing. 
And we want it to bring you glory and you honor, Lord Jesus. We know that you're good. In your name we pray. Amen. And with that same just attitude of prayer, I would invite you, uh, if you're with your family, just to hold hands with your family or just pray with them right now. Um, one of our elders, uh, Jack Penny, um, and Elaine Penny, his wife, are going to lead us in prayer, just asking God um, to intervene on behalf of the sick, the needy, those who maybe lost their jobs, those having to make really tough decisions in the government right now. So can we just agree with them? And uh, we're going to let uh, Jack and Elaine take a moment and just lead us in prayer together. Let us pray. And Elaine, you start off first. Have mercy on us, Jesus, according to your great love. Our little worlds have shaken. We've had to change some of our habits and we feel out of control. You've given us good government that wants to help us and we're doing what our leaders are telling us to do. But we know that unless you build the house, we labor in vain. Unless you're guiding our leaders, the results are uncertain. We need your favor. We're in your hands. You who made the world and loved us while we were acting as your enemy, then made us your sons and daughters. You have the power to make all kinds of plans and carry them out. You've no rival. We glorify you because you are the truth. We pray for the sick, the innocent, elderly, weak, those unemployed. We know you have compassion for them also. We hear of many who are now ministering to them. We know this is your heart also. Use our hands or money we made with our hands to do your work. Your spirit is not far from any one of us or any one of them. Bring your will that operates in heaven into this coronavirus situation. Deliver and heal. Amen. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, the heavens declare your eternal power and divine nature. The earth is full of your glory. You are high and lifted up. You alone are God. You alone are holy. By our humble efforts, we cannot know you unless you reveal yourself to us in accordance with your own will and purpose. We rejoice and give you thanks that you revealed yourself to the Hebrew fathers and to Moses and David and the prophets. And in these last days, you have spoken to us in your Son, Jesus the Christ. Your holy apostles have taught us this Jesus has purchased us through his own blood, remitting our sins and justifying us from all things that we could not be freed from under the law. You have revealed your awesome love for us by naming us your children and urging us to call you Father and inviting us to approach your throne of grace boldly so that all who believe may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Father God, this is now a time of great need. Fear and anxiety rule over the minds and hearts of so many men, women, and children throughout the world and even within your church. Help us, Lord, to trust you with our lives and with the lives of our families and for our general welfare and peace. Help us to commit our ways totally to you. Can we reasonably do anything else? Therefore, Father, we lift up to you and pray for those who have lost their jobs and whose businesses have closed. Protect them. Provide them with the sustenance they need. Jesus told us that the Father knows what we need before we ask, and he will provide all things. Help us to trust you and without anxiety to ask and prompt us to be thankful and grateful and generously share with any in need who come our way. Father God, we would not fail to pray for our government, the authorities that exist that you have ordained. We pray, therefore, for the president and for Congress and our courts, governors, mayors, and local magistrates. We ask that you give these officials wisdom from your throne, that they would be fully equipped to do their jobs. And we ask that you would give them a heart to serve you and the people and not just themselves, so that we all may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Father, finally, give us all the peace that passes understanding, keeping our hearts and minds in you by Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, Jack and Elaine. Now, I can't see any of you from this side of the camera, but it's still great to know that we're worshiping together. So if you're watching this live on YouTube or Facebook, uh, feel free to comment at this point. Say hi. Let us know what town or city you're joining us from. And if this is the first time you've ever worshiped with us, why don't you make a note of that too, because we are so glad to have you as well. Now, if you want to stay connected with us throughout all this time, make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. At TrinityNR is how you can find us there. You can also go to our website, which is trinitynr.org. And if you scroll about halfway down the homepage, uh, maybe a little bit more actually, you'll find a spot where you can subscribe to our email updates. Lastly, you can go to the App Store and you can search us and find us and download our app to keep up with us as well. And with that, I want to pass you off to Leanne Ray, who's going to share something with our kids for a couple minutes. Good morning, everybody, and a huge good morning to all of the kids. I miss you, and I am so excited that I get to talk to you for a few minutes this morning. I'm going to introduce the Bible story that Pastor Kirk is going to talk about in a few minutes. And today he's going to be sharing from the New Testament, which is in the second half of the Bible. It starts with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John chapter 6 is where we find today's Bible story. It's when Jesus feeds the 5,000, which I know a lot of you are familiar with. There were thousands of people gathered on a hillside to listen to Jesus teach. And after being there a while, not surprisingly, they got really hungry. But unfortunately, lunch wasn't provided. The disciples got a little bit nervous because they didn't know how they were going to feed everybody. But there was a boy in the crowd who had a really smart mom. That boy's mom had packed a snack. And the boy said that he was actually willing to share his snack with everybody. 
I think that people felt really encouraged as they thought about having something to eat. But when they unpacked the snack, they found two fish and there were five loaves of bread. One, two, three, four, five. Thousands of people on the hillside. Two fish, five loaves of bread. This boy shared everything that he had, but it wasn't enough. The disciples started to get a little bit worried, but Jesus wasn't worried at all. In fact, it says in verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks to God, and he distributed them, or he passed them out to the people. And then he did the same with the fish. They took the snack, and they went from family to family to family to family to family to family, right through the thousands of people. And the Bible says that not only was there enough for everybody, but there were actually leftovers. God took what this boy shared, and he performed a miracle with it. He blessed thousands of people with only two fish and five loaves of bread. Sometimes in our lives when we encounter problems or we have something tough to deal with, we want to have all the answers. We want to be able to provide everything that's needed to fix the problem. But we learn in this story that Jesus never asks us to do that. Jesus just wants us to share what we do have and then let him do the miracles. So kids, I have a question for you today. What do you have to share? I have a little assignment for you. When Pastor Kirk comes up and shares in a few minutes, I want you to go get a piece of paper and a marker or a crayon or a pen. It doesn't matter. But I want you to draw two fish and five loaves of bread. This is what the boy had to share. I want you to think about what you have to share that God could use to bless others. You can write it down or you can draw a picture. Do one next to the first fish and then another one next to the next fish and then one by each of the loaves of bread. Think about what you might be able to offer to bless other people. Could you give 10 extra hugs to everyone in your house today? Do you maybe have some money in your piggy bank that you could donate to somebody who needs it? Does your family have some extra food that they could share with a neighbor? Or could you just give words of encouragement to everybody you talk to today? I'm not sure what you have to share. We all have something different to share, but God asks us to use that and then he multiplies it. He does the miracles so that others will be blessed and so that others will know who God is. We want to bring glory to him. If you do this assignment today and you send it to me, I'll post it for the whole church. We want to celebrate what you're doing to honor Jesus. That's it for me today. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. I hope you all have a great Sunday. We miss you. Thank you, Leanne. And Leanne, on behalf of so many of us, we just want to thank you for your efforts in keeping our kids not only engaged, but on mission. Alden was very, very excited to get that package in the mail this week. So again, just want to thank you on behalf of the Anastasi family, and I'm sure many, many families here at Trinity. Great work. Well, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity. Good morning. I've got two quick announcements. The first, I know it's been on your mind, and trust us, it has been on our mind as well, and that is the upcoming Easter service two weeks from now. 
We still have a lot to pray about uh, and some discussions to have. We plan on having those over the next few days. And so please be on the lookout maybe midweek, Wednesday or Thursday of this upcoming week for an email about Easter service. Next Sunday, Palm Sunday, we do want to let you know we will be celebrating communion together. Even though we won't be here, we will still be online. We will be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. In preparation for that, if you want to pick up some bread or some crackers and some juice, that would be fantastic. We do want to emphasize that the bread and the juice, uh, they are symbols. And so while we will not be here together, we will be together celebrating the Lord's Supper with saints all over the world. And so the bread, again, symbolic of Christ's body broken for us. The juice, again, symbolic of uh, Christ's blood shed for us, the new covenant, so that sins could be forgiven. So join us next week, again, online. We will be celebrating communion together. If you have any trouble getting any of the items that you need for communion, please reach out. It would be great. It would be our pleasure to provide those and get those for you. And now we'd like to move into a time uh, where we continue with our worship through giving. And we do have a cause for celebration with our giving. Over the last month or so, Trinity's giving hasn't skipped a beat. And that is a real cause for celebration. It is really indicative of the faith and trust that people have here in the provision of God. And when you partner, when you give to Trinity and you fund the mission of Trinity, um, what, you, what you allow us to do is to continue to meet the needs, which are even greater now than before, and most likely will be greater even a few weeks ago than they are now. When you partner with Trinity and you give generously, you allow us the ability to continue to help meet those needs in our communities. So we want to say thank you to those who continue to give faithfully. There are a few ways that you can give. You can always mail in a check right to the main address, which you can find online on the website. Uh, you can give online at trinitynr.org, or you can go on the app on your mobile phone, and you can give through that. If you are in need, if you are experiencing hardship, we do want to help you meet those needs. So again, as we said last week, and as we will continue to say, we stand ready, willing, and able to help you meet your needs. Please reach out either through a group, group leader, out online through email you can always call the main office line as well we do stand ready to help you meet those needs will you join me in prayer for the offering and for the mission of trinity and for the mission of jesus christ heavenly father i want to lift up all of those who are in need who are who are hurting right now father and i i pray that you continue to move in my heart I pray that you continue to move in the heart of all of those who call Trinity home, that we continue to give generously. And we give from a, a glad and joyful heart, knowing that all of our good gifts that we have have come from you, Father, and that you don't, you don't need our money, but you want our hearts, Father. And when we give, Father, you give us a joy that money could never bring us. And you allow us as a church body to meet the needs of those who are struggling in this difficult time, Father. So I want to lift up and want to thank you for the generous givers that have continued to fund the mission here at Trinity. I want to lift up those who are going through financial hardship. Father, comfort them. Be with them. 
Father, open our eyes and open our ears to them so we can be moved to action, displaying the love of Christ, giving, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and your generosity in giving your son for us. So, Father, we thank you for the faithful givers. We thank you for the opportunity to serve those who are in, who are in need. Father, be with us as we go through this week. Open our hearts. Father, start with me. Make my heart more generous. Move my faith one step higher. Father, increase my faith. Increase my trust in you. Father, I pray that you do that throughout this family, throughout Trinity. Father, that your name would be made great and your kingdom would move forward. We pray and we ask all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And now I'll invite Pastor Kirk to come on up and deliver the word. Man, thank you so much, David. And hey, as a church, I know that as we anticipate Palm Sunday and taking the Lord's Supper together next Sunday, that's not how it's supposed to be. I know that we're supposed to be present with each other, taking communion together, remembering the body and blood as one big family. But we thought, you know what, instead of just pushing communion off until the day that we can all be present with each other again, we want to give families a chance to celebrate that together. And if you live at, alone at home or you're watching this alone, at least when you take it with us, we can take it with one another knowing that we're still one family together. And so, like David said, said set aside uh, some, some bread, some crackers, some juice this week, and then have that for next Sunday so that we can all take that and be a part of that together. And even as we're scattered, we can still be unified, knowing that the life given for us is still just as true now as it is uh, when we're present together. So, and with that, um, getting to the end of March in New England, man, it's supposed to feel like an accomplishment. <laughs> I don't know about you, every year by the end of March, I feel like we made it through something. The heavy blanket of winter has lifted, the sun is hanging out longer, green is popping through the ground, buds and birds are showing up on the trees. Like, this is the time for fresh life and excitement all around us, and yet... We feel like this whole outbreak has hit us like this massive disruption. I don't know about you, but I feel like this whole scene that we're experiencing, it just reminds me of how mortal and frail we actually are as human beings. We've had the privilege of living in a society where we have relative safety and security, enough so that we can make long-term plans without thinking twice. But now, in the midst of all of this, now, though, is the time that the people of God, those of us who are born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, now is the time where we start to show and represent, speak out that fresh life. You know, Bono, the famous singer, once said that joy is an act of defiance. And that as the people of God, 
when we choose joy at the start of every day, no matter what's going on, we're acting in defiance against the powers of disease, the powers of sin and death that want to come against. And we're able to speak hope and eternal hope into the world around us. Now's the time to be the church more than ever. And as we planned this whole series that it began at the beginning of this month. You know, our plan was we're going to start this series rooted and built up everyday habits for growth, asking the question of how do we grow up in our faith? How do we, how do we establish st- sturdy roots in Jesus and grow up strong as those following him? But we had no clue how relevant that question would really become. Because in the midst of an unstable world, how can we establish ourselves in the immovable, unchangeable, everlasting God? In a culture of fear, how do we learn to, to love God with everything that we are and to love our neighbor? And I know sometimes we want to think, shouldn't I get a pass from having to love my neighbor right now? I mean, we're in quarantine. I mean, what can we possibly do? And as we wrestle still with what does it mean to love our neighbor right now, I want us to look together at that same story that Leanne introduced earlier to our, to our kids, where Jesus feeds the multitude, the massive crowd that was before him. So we're going to be looking together in John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And as you're turning there in your own Bibles... It will be on the screen, but if you have your own Bible, you can take notes in there that you can reference later on. But as we're turning there, what's interesting about the story is that except for the resurrection of Jesus, this is the only miracle story of Jesus that shows up in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the only one which shows that this story was very important to the early church who also lived in an unstable, tumultuous, unpredictable society. So I want us to turn to that. John chapter 6, verse 1. John chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And as you have that open and ready, uh, let's just pray and then we'll dig in and read it. So God... As we prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word, I pray that uh, we just want to say from the get-go, we trust you with our hearts, with our minds. We trust that whenever you speak, it's good, and it's for our life. And so, God, I pray that your spirit would be alive and speaking to each one of us in a very tangible way, that we would be open and receptive. And I pray that my words, whatever maybe not of you, that it would just fall to the ground, but ultimately that we would hear your voice in the midst of this, and that you encourage us, root us, build us up. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. John chapter 6, starting verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Nothing, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. What's interesting about this story is it takes place pretty much at the same time that we're in right now. It was right before Passover, so the grass was getting green. The buds were coming out in the trees. The sun was hanging out longer. We can almost imagine this scene happening right now during this time of year. But as we transfer this story and look at our own context, our own world, what does it look like to love our neighbors right now? How do we even think about Loving our neighbors in a season like this. How will we as followers of Jesus respond in the midst of the need? See, we can view the current needs of others as an interruption or an opportunity. It's two ways of viewing what's going on. We can see the needs around us as an interruption or as an opportunity. If you look at the story, Jesus It starts with Jesus and his disciples in a solitary place, it says, by the Sea of Galilee. Basically, they were on a seaside vacation. The Sea of Galilee is more like a lake, but lakeside vacation. If you look at the other accounts and the other Gospels, you see that Jesus and his disciples just finished up a ton of ministry work, ministering to gobs of people. And it's also likely that Jesus just found out that his cousin John the Baptist had been executed. And they needed rest. They needed a recharge. They needed some leisure before Passover and that whole season started. You know, all of us have felt that way at some time. Just need of a break. If you, uh, parents of young kids, you get it, right? Like whenever you lock yourself in the bathroom for five minutes just to separate yourselves for just a breather, I can imagine that's similar to how Jesus felt. But the story continues that in the midst of their lakeside vacation, Jesus looked up and saw a massive crowd coming toward him. Isn't that exactly what you want to see on your vacation? Right as you're shutting your eyes, taking in some sun, just gobs of people coming your way. Why? Because Jesus at this point was recognized as a powerful leader, powerful healer, teacher already. And so he had celebrity status Across Galilee, certainly, but all across Israel. And Galilee itself was made up of a bunch of poor peasant farmers. And a lot of them had deep needs. 
There weren't doctors like we have today. Deep ailments. And they saw in Jesus an opportunity for life. And so wherever he went, they wanted to find him. But imagine if you were one of Jesus' disciples enjoying a little me time, and all of a sudden you see all these people coming your way, what would be your first reaction? I know what mine would be. (laughs) I would probably find Judas, throw him toward the crowd, say, man, it's been great knowing you, get in the boat and head out. Why? Because I got needs too. I don't have time for this. But of course, Jesus doesn't view the people as an interruption. Instead, in his compassion, he sees an opportunity to love them. His first question when he sees the crowd is not, how do I protect myself? But what do they need? And so, in other accounts of this story, like the one in Matthew, it said that Jesus had compassion on them. See, to have compassion means that we identify with the pain and needs of someone else. We identify with someone else's pain and need. Yeah, Jesus needed a break. Of course he did. He was fully human while also being fully God. But he, in that moment, stopped to identify and say, how would I feel if I were in their shoes? How would I wish to be loved if I were one of those crowds? And so, yeah, Jesus needed a break. But in this moment, he made a choice to trust that God saw his need so that he could actually love them well. And so this was the same Jesus, remember, who taught on another hillside by the Sea of Galilee. He says, when you're worried about food or what you're going to wear, he said, let God take care of those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And here he is putting that very thing into practice before his disciples. See, when we trust our Father sees us and takes care of us, it frees us. To love others well. But what I've come to learn in my own life is that the opportunity to love others rarely comes around when I'm ready for it. And there are many times that the opportunity to really show someone love feels more like an interruption than anything else. Certainly how this whole season has felt to our lifestyle, our lives. You know, It's okay for us in this season to grieve how our plans have been upended, to grieve the sickness, to grieve those who are giving 80, 100 hours a week in hospitals trying to heal. It's okay to grieve those things. But our choices in this moment is will we allow our tiredness, our sadness, our loneliness to fester into irritability in bitterness? Or will we bring that to Jesus looking for empathy so that we can be led by his compassion? You know, one of the things that I had the privilege of being able to see and hear about are all the stories already going on here at Trinity and among our folks of the ways you guys have been reaching out in compassion. 
I've heard the stories of the anonymous gifts to people in need, of the fundraisers to help raise money for an appliance that someone needs but was unable to pay for because theirs broke down and they lost their job. I've heard about the time given to make calls or to maybe even visit somebody's house and stand across their yard from them just to say hi. Like I've, I've gotten the privilege of hearing all of these. Guys, this is what it looks like to be the church. And this is exactly what I'm hearing and seeing the followers of Jesus are stepping out and doing. And man, it's a beautiful thing. This is exactly what it means to be the church right now. But I think the thing that we wrestle with or struggle with is that we know that this is really just the beginning of the needs. We know that two, three weeks from now, the needs we experience now are, are going to be even greater. What do we do when the needs around us begin to exceed our ability to meet them? What do we do when our energy, our time, our resources can't keep up? The medical community is already experiencing this. They know exactly what this is like, which is why we've been praying for them and asking God to intercede on their behalf. But when those needs come to the doorstep of God's people, to the church, how, how do we understand that or meet that? See, when the needs are bigger than us, we can view it as a reason to sit down or to step out in faith. See, there's Jesus with Philip, 10,000 at least people strong coming at them. And we know it's at least 10,000. The story says there's 5,000 men. And that's not counting the women and the children. So 10,000 is probably an understatement. And just to kind of give us an idea of how big this crowd would have been, I have this image of what a thousand people looks like. That's just a thousand. So when you multiply that times 10, 15, maybe 20, you start to get a rough idea of how many people were actually coming their way. And which is the irony of it all, because Jesus looks over at Philip. Philip was a bit of a local boy. He was from a town nearby, a little town called Bethsaida. And he's like, Philip, what they got to eat around here? And of course... Jesus knew there wasn't anything to eat. And of course, he knew he was already going to do something pretty amazing. But he was doing this to test Philip. It was to see, Philip, are you looking to your own resources to try to solve the problem? Or are you lifting your eyes in faith? Philip, are you calculating how much you have compared to the need and simply concluding that, ah, this is impossible? Or... Do you realize that the same God who fed the million-plus Israelites in the wilderness of Sinai centuries before is the same God asking you this question right now? You know, Philip, being a good Jewish man, I'm sure grew up with all the stories of the Old Testament. He grew up with the Proverbs. And Proverbs like, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Or you may even memorize. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your path straight. I'm sure He had that in His consciousness yet. It gets a point where is it just going to be a verse? 
Or is it actually going to be something we believe and we trust? Would Philip in this moment truly trust in God with all his heart and lean not on his own understanding, trusting that God would take care of the rest? When we look at the needs around us, do we realize that the same God of this story is the same God today? Do I allow my vision for what God can do today to be limited by my own resources, my own time, my own energy, my own power? I've had to ask myself that hard question this week, last week. God, do I really believe you are who you say you are? Because when Philip was put to the test, he kind of, this young Padawan of Jesus basically concludes it's impossible. He's like, Jesus, come on, man. It'll take half a year's wages to give everyone just a bite to eat. Like, I appreciate your enthusiasm. You have a great heart, Jesus. But come on, let's be real. Like, we're not Bill Gates here. And we're so used to assuming that if we can't see it, then it must not be happening. If we can't envision it or see how it's possible, then it must not be possible. Let me see the resources first, then I'll believe, then I'll step out. I've often thought, man, God, if you just gave me the money of a Bill Gates or a Jeff Bezos, Lord, then I'd really serve you. But there's one thing that's consistent across Scripture. God waits to see who will trust him before they see how it's possible. Noah started building that ark decades before he even saw rain. Abraham and Sarah left their homeland because of a promise that they would have countless descendants despite countless failed attempts to get pregnant. Moses delivered hundreds of thousands from their Egyptian oppressor. The teenager David stood up to, to, to a mega-grown man, Goliath, with a mere sling. The, the church got its start not because it had a couple really clever leaders, but because the Holy Spirit poured itself out in power upon them and led them out. As my grandmother once told me, she said, God rarely gives us what we can handle, but he equips us to handle what we are given. And when the needs far exceed what we can give, it's an opportunity for God to do what only he can do. And so sure enough, this poor peasant boy comes up, and we know that he's probably poor and he's a peasant because he has barley loaves, which were like cheap food, coarse bread. They weren't that great. He probably had a couple small fish just to help the bread go down. But yet he comes and he offers that. God seems to enjoy really humble beginnings. But then Jesus had everyone sit down on the grass in groups. Then he lifted his eyes to the Father. This is where great things tend to start. He gave thanks and then for this meager meal, and then something powerful happened. Somehow, as they distributed it out to everyone, everybody didn't just get a bite. They ate until they were full. And not only did they eat till they were full, but the leftovers at the end were more than the lunch in the beginning. 
that our God is, in fact, the God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that which we can ask or think according to his power at work within us. See, God's first question when he comes to us is not, hey, how much money do you have? How, how many degrees do you have? How many followers do you have? His first question when he comes to us is, are you fully mine? Do you want to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You may not feel like you have much. You may not feel like you can do much. But God just wants someone who completely belongs to him. That is enough. And you see, one of the things I'm realizing in this passage that God has hit me hard with is there's no limit to what the church can do when we step out in faith fueled by his compassion. He's just waiting for us to say yes. And when the needs far exceed what we have to give, it's an opportunity for God to do what only he can do. I know that the needs currently and the potential needs to come seem overwhelming, if not impossible. But we do have to remember that the mission of the church of Jesus Christ has always been bigger than us. It's not just now. It's always been bigger than us. Don't miss how the story ends. Because at the very end, we had this crowd of Galileans, and now they've been fed. <laughs> and seeing this miracle Jesus did, they have all this fresh energy, saying, oh man, this guy must be a prophet like Moses. Moses Hundreds of years before, fed the Israelites in the wilderness. Well, Jesus did the same. And with the power like what this guy has, we could totally start a revolution against the Romans. And we could, we, we could have free buffets forever. I mean, this is a done deal. So the crowd with all this extra energy were ready to start a revolution with Jesus as the poster boy, bottom line, saying free buffet forever if you get behind this guy. But the issue was that this crowd could only focus on their bodily needs. But they couldn't see the needs of the very soul. But Jesus, while this crowd was coming to him trying to impose their mission on him, Jesus knew that he didn't come primarily to satisfy material needs, but to address our deep-seated but often unrecognized need to be forgiven and restored in a relationship with God. Every human being has a hunger that cannot be satisfied by anything this world has to offer, but can only be met in a relationship with their God and Creator. Every human soul was made to hunger for their God. And from the beginning, every human soul was created to live together with him. But the problem is that our own selfishness and our own pride has blinded us to the love of God and has led us searching everywhere else except for him to find life and to find satisfaction apart from him. But if we're honest, 
we know that nothing this world can give can really give us life beyond this life or this world. And for that reason, Jesus said, the bread of, life, the bread of God came down from heaven to give life to the world. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Even while we were trapped in this endless pursuit for satisfaction, but yet headed toward death, our God says, I'm going to come and give them new life. I'm going to come and give them my life. In his compassion, he willingly went to the cross to die. But didn't stay there. Three days later, walked out of that grave, paving a new life. And he says, for all who believe in him, you can know that life too. So I ask, do you believe that? Have you ever given, trusted your life to Jesus? The Bible says, that we can be sure of our eternal destiny today. Because Romans 10 verse 9, all who confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord and sincerely believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. Confessing that he is Lord is something that you can do today. And if that is something that you've never done before, you've never confessed him as Lord and believed in who he is, I want to give you an opportunity and show you how to do that at the very end. But for those who are believers in Jesus and have been walking with him for a while, when we think about what it means to love our neighbors, we have to realize that, yeah, meeting physical needs are part of that. But we're also called to meet the needs of the very soul. However, Trying to, to, to meet the soul needs of somebody, to ultimately transform somebody's heart, has always been impossible. It's about as possible uh, for us to feed 10,000 people with a few loaves and fish as it is to change a human heart. But yet that's our mission as followers of Jesus, is to continue to proclaim this message of who our God is and invite people to believe and to trust him with their whole lives. And that mission is impossible if it's just done in our own strength. But it's totally possible for God. And when the needs, material, physical, and of our soul. When they exceed what we can give, it's an opportunity for God to do what only he can do. So as I wrap this up, I'm going to challenge all of us toward two habits that will shift our attention uh, toward compassion and will seek to strengthen our faith. Number one, I'm going to encourage us every day to pray big, specific prayers. 
Big prayers, meaning we want to pray that God does not just what's possible for us to do, but what's things that only he can do. I want to pray that God heals people in the midst of sickness, that God brings about a spiritual awakening, that, that God will stop this virus in his tracks, that God will give supernatural energy to the doctors and all of those who are working endless hours to make this possible. Why? Because our, that's who our God is. And we know that he's still alive and working in real people's lives. But number two, I want our prayers to be specific, to pray specific names for certain situations. You know, it's not a bad prayer to say, God, help everybody. That's not a bad prayer. But if you really want to see the way God can answer prayer, we've got to get specific. And we've got to pray for those very things that we know are close to his heart. And second, after praying, big specific prayers. I want to challenge us this week to think about one thing that we can give up in order to give to somebody else. I'm not saying that we give up things because we're trying to earn brownie points with God or, or make sure that we have an eternal destiny. Now we've already talked, he's already said, if we believe in our hearts that he's been raised from the dead, he says, we are saved. This is simply an expression of gratitude back to God. But there is something that happens when we choose to give up something in order to give to somebody else that allows us to identify with that person, to feel what would it be like to be in their shoes. When it actually costs us because we give up resources or food to someone in need or, or we give valuable time just to stop to listen to someone intently or to encourage them. When we, when we give up our own self-consciousness because we see that our neighbor is anxious and we want to share the hope of Jesus. When we step out and do those things, all of a sudden we see how God meets us in the midst of that. Our faith begins to grow. Our compassion begins to grow. And man, there's no limit to what the church can do when our God begins to step in and do what only he can do. When we begin to be led in his compassion. And when the needs far exceed what we have to give, it's an opportunity for God to do what only he can do. And just to close out my time, I, I want to pray. But I specifically, if you've never chosen to follow Jesus, if you've never called him Lord over your life, but yet you feel that stirring in your heart and your soul because, man, you want to know his life. I want to encourage you just to pray this prayer after me. These words I'm about to pray are not magical words, right? It's not about the words themselves, but it's ultimately about the sincerity of our heart when we pray this. But just pray this after me and say, God, I admit that I have tried to live my life my own way. I have followed after my own pride, my own selfishness. But God, I want to follow your way. And I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again to give me new life. So I give my life to you. Be Lord of my life.
And now lead me and teach me how to be like you. God, I pray that whoever prayed that prayer, that you would seal that upon their hearts. God, I pray that they would know that they're not alone, but yet that they would see with an eternal hope who their God is. And that they'll step forward in this life knowing that you're the God who ultimately has provided for them so that we are free to love well. God, I thank you for your gift of your life for us. Thank you for rising again that we might have new life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, can you just find a way to let us know? That would be awesome just to be able to know. Not because we want to come knock on your door or hound you, but just because we want to help you grow. We believe this is just the beginning of a life with Jesus. Getting to know the living God. That you can have a relationship with him. That we're all on a journey growing closer to him. Will you reach out to us? You can make a comment on Facebook, on YouTube, or you can simply follow us, send us a direct message on Facebook, or maybe shoot us an email at info at trinitynr.org, however you like. But we want to reach out to you and help you grow. It is our privilege to do so. And now I'd like to uh, continue as we want to worship just with one final song together. So as we continue in worship together, we're going to introduce you to a new song. To some, it may not be new. It might be a song that you sing a lot. But for those of you who have never heard it, and this will be a time when you can just kind of be looking at the words and learning them, I want to just draw attention to a part of the song that is really meaningful, I feel like, especially for the time that we're in. It's the part of the song that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. And so this song is called Waymaker. And it really is a declaration of who God is and of his power and just singing the names of God, basically. And so as we worship, I just want to encourage you to just, if, if your faith is feeling like it could use a boost today, I pray that this song would be that for you. And I pray that just the power of worship would just encourage you and that you just have a moment with God right now. So let's sing this together.
way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And you are here. Touching every heart, I worship you, I worship you, and you are here, healing every heart, I worship you, I worship you, and you are here, turning lives around, I worship the darkness my god that is who that is who you are we make a miracle worker promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you sing that is who you are 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 never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop make a miracle work a promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you are oh tell him he's the way maker way maker Miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are, sing Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are, sing Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness.
Dear God, I pray that we take that song and allow it to become an anthem of our week. That no matter how overwhelmed we might feel, God, that we know that you are with us and that you are for us and that you are leading us. And our calling upon our lives is always bigger than us. And even though we might feel overwhelmed, you are not. And God, I pray that we will just will not only trust what our physical eyes can see or what we can calculate, but instead that we'll turn to you, the almighty God, and say, come. Come do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, by the way, we, we love praying with people. Um, we would love the chance to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, always feel free to text our confidential uh, prayer line that's on the screen right now. Um, we, you can also text that line and say, hey, I'd like somebody to call me. Or to say, I'd like a call and give us your name. And we'll make sure a prayer team member, those who are trained and make sure to keep all things confidential, uh, they call you and just pray with you over the phone. Because uh, we want to make sure that we're still there for each other praying for each other, lifting each other up, praying big, specific prayers for each other. So please do that. Also, um, at some point today, we've provided uh, questions for your families. Um, if you have young kids at home, some questions that maybe you guys can talk through. Uh, it's on the app. You can find them uh, right on there, as well as their discussion questions for small groups. Uh, so that over your Zoom calls this week or go-to meetings or whatever you're using as small groups, or maybe just with your spouse or someone you live with, uh, that you can talk through those things with them. But um, be encouraged this week. We love you. Our God is still great. He is still good. And he is going to walk through this with us, his people, uh, and especially as we step out in his compassion. So let's raise our hands to receive the benediction. As those who have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we speak life. And we give life. And we believe that God, the one who has given us eternal life, is at work in and through us. So the world may see who he is through us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said out there, amen. Hey, have a great week. We love you. We're here for you. Let us know if you need anything, and we'll see you soon.